0: Well, everybody, it is so good to be with you guys. And hello, everybody watching over at Montrose. What is up? And everybody watching online, too, thanks for checking us out. It is so good to be here. Uh, you guys ever see that uh, 90s movie called Big Daddy? You guys remember that with Adam Sandler and uh, Rob Schneider? And, and it, there's that part in there where he's like, hip-hop, hip hop, hip hop, anonymous. Why are you always giving the easy ones? Um, that's how I feel this weekend. Like, OK, great. I get to ask and answer this question. Why are Christians so exclusive? Ooh, good landmine for the week. So uh, we're going to have some fun, and as Jeff said, I hope that this uh, becomes very, very helpful. Um, There's two sides to this, I think. There's probably two assumed pathways that you might be thinking I'm going down with this, and the first one uh, would resonate also with this question, which is why can't we coexist, right? So we've all seen the bumper stickers, uh, we've all seen that that little placard and stuff like that, And, and there is a version of this question that's... Can't we just coexist? Like, I'm spiritual. Aren't all religions kind of just pointing down the same path anyway? Like, aren't we all just trying to be good people? Does it really matter which one I fall into? Uh, and, and honestly, like, that's a big, big deal. Uh, that's actually not the pathway we're going to go down this weekend. What I want to recommend to you, though, is if that's like, no, seriously, I want to dive into that, I want to get into that question, I would encourage you to go back through uh, this series. Uh, We've asked a lot of questions in this series, and if you go back through them with this in mind, I feel like we've already really addressed this in a myriad of ways. So we've actually asked the questions, what is genuine faith and what does that mean to have it in Jesus? How could a loving God send people to hell? Um, Is God good What's wrong with religion? Aren't we all basically good? How can I know I'm going to heaven? And so you go through those conversations with this question in mind, and we've laid a lot of this out. Now, the second piece as to why that I'll just kind of quickly touch on uh, as to why are Christians so exclusive when it comes to this idea is because it's personal. All right, and so if I invite you over to my house, and let's say, how about we show up uh, sometime tomorrow around 7 p.m., and you go to someone else's house, and you just responded, well, I mean, all houses are basically the same, and all gods are basically the same. Like, let's like, that's, that's fine and all, but I asked you to come over to my house, and you went to someone else's house. And the God of the universe, the one that created everything, the one that made you, is inviting you back to himself. And so if we're not engaging God, or if we're going to someone else's spiritual house, we're literally ignoring the one that's inviting us home with him, right? And so that would kind of be a short, super easy, logical way to think through why can't we coexist? It's not that we can't live together and engage other people, it's that there's a personal God inviting you home with him. And that's the way that it kind of is. But uh, as we go back through those, I think that those will be very, very helpful. Where we're going to land this weekend is this idea of why are Christians so exclusive? Like, why can't they be more inclusive, right? Like, when they think about groups of people, when they think about folks that, you know, are, are trying to... Uh, Get into the church, into the faith, uh, connect with Jesus, who's right, who's wrong. Uh, I don't want them to be a part of my church. Uh, We can't let this group of people be a part of things. When we start getting into those conversations, why are Christians so exclusive? That's where we're going to hit this weekend. And my guess is, is that we're probably uh, amongst a myriad of different types of experiences when it comes to that. Some of you may feel even now, you're not sure you're welcome to be a part of church. Uh, you're like, man, if, if they knew what went through my head, if they knew more about me, I don't know that they would let me in here. That might be some of where you're at. Um, some of us are on the other side of that coin, and we're, we're actually excluders. We're the ones looking at a certain person, looking at a certain group of people saying like, I, I don't want them to be a part of what Jesus is doing. I don't want them to be a part of the church. I don't want them there. And so that's kind of where we're going to land this weekend. But before we dive into all of the teaching, I'm just going to totally peel back the curtain. Here's the three things that I'm seriously praying we get out of this weekend. Here's the three things that I hope we land. If we can land here, I think that we'll be making leaps and bounds forward, um, both personally and corporately together, collectively as a church. So uh, what I'm hoping is that we understand that Jesus invites you to the table. Okay, and so if you are someone that's wondering whether or not you belong in the church, whether or not you belong in the kingdom of God, whether or not Jesus would want anything to do with you, I hope and pray more than anything else that you realize that Jesus invites you personally to his table. The second thing that I hope locks in is that Jesus reminds us of who we were And that we're loved. Jesus is going to challenge us from time to time on what we were, who we were, what we're like, how our lives actually shake out, what's good, what's bad. He's going to remind us of those things. But in the context of, you're loved. And in the context of, you're invited to the table. Okay, and so Jesus is going to press into some things, and that's actually a very good thing. And the third thing that I hope we land on is to understand that Jesus asks his followers to join him in the mission of invitation. To follow him means I'm going to join you in this mission of invitation. I'm going to be a part of helping other people know they're invited to the table. And so if we can land on those three things, I think, again, we'll be leaps and bounds ahead of ourselves when it comes to this question. Now, I like to focus in on Jesus, right? Not because of the obvious, not because we're just at church. but. When we can go to the person of Jesus, I feel like those end up being some of the most convincing words that we can use in our culture today. And even amongst ourselves, even though the word of God, the entirety of the Bible is incredibly valuable, it's all there to help us and point us toward God. There's something about in our culture because we all believe that Jesus was this incredible man. We all believe that he was one of the wisest and best people to ever live on the planet. We all believe that, that when we say, you know, Jesus said this, in our culture, that carries more weight than just saying something like, well, you know what the Bible says, right? And so we're going to f- focus a lot of our time this weekend on what does Jesus say. And so let's just get right into this. Matthew chapter 7 is where we're going to be. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Some of you, more than anything else, all weekend, maybe for your entire life, the word that you need to hear right now is everyone. Everyone that asks will be answered. Everyone that seeks will find. Everyone that knocks on the door. It will be opened to them. Everyone, Jesus is opening the invitation to say, if you're trying to find me, if you're trying to find God, if you're trying to find my kingdom, you will find it. In a conversation this week, as we were talking amongst our leadership, I loved this just very simple line. It says this, no one who longs for the kingdom of God will miss it. No one who longs to be a part of what Jesus is doing will miss it. So, if that's true, if that's what Jesus is saying, that everyone who asks seeks and knocks, the door will be open to them, then where does the exclusion come from? Where does it come from that we would start excluding people in our lives to say, I don't know that I want you to be a part of what Jesus is doing. I don't want to talk to you about Jesus. I don't want to talk to you about faith because I'm pretty sure you don't belong here. Where does that come from? And if we're being honest, some of us, this is super painful because we feel like we've been a part of that. We feel like someone has told us we don't belong. There are people in our church that have shown up on the doorsteps of another building somewhere else one day and they said, go home, come back dressed up in a way that is appropriate for God. They feel excluded. To go home the way that you acted last night is not appropriate for God. Go. Get out of here. And we exclude other people and we have felt that personal rejection and it hurts. Or maybe we've been hurt by a family member. We've gone through the hard breakup. We've gone through the divorce. We've gone through those shaky things. We've had that terrible argument with the family member that will not go away. And then when they're around, we just want to dismiss them. We want to get them out of here. We don't want them at the same place. We don't want them in the church. And then, God forbid, they start getting serious about Jesus, and we're almost disappointed. We're almost mad. I don't want you to start getting serious about Jesus. I'm ticked off at you. I want you to be over there. We're so angry about that personal interaction that we want people to go away. Some of us, it's just personal. Some of us, we have that deep-seated fear that if you find out more about me, you're not going to want me around. And so I don't want you to exclude me. I have a fear that the church will exclude me if they knew who I was. And so I don't come around. Some of us, we assume exclusion comes because we just disagree on things, We disagree on politics. We disagree on how this is supposed to work. We disagree about this group of people. We disagree about how the world should work. We disagree about this issue. We disagree about that. And if you disagree with me and I follow Jesus and I think this way, then I guess you're not really a Jesus follower, so you're over there. And I'm going to exclude you. I literally just assume you actually want nothing to do with Jesus because I disagree with you. Or we put ourselves in that shoe that because I disagree with what I think the church thinks, what I think they think, And apparently I'm excluded because somehow in our minds we have equated disagreement with exclusion. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. We disagree about stuff all the time. Who we're rooting for on Sunday, what restaurant we should go to, whether or not pineapple belongs on pizza. People, come on, it does not belong on pizza. My goodness, right? We disagree on those things. Thank you. At least one other person is locked in right here on what Jesus is saying, right? Open up to the book of Joseph, chapter 2, and it says, therefore, thou shalt not put pineapple on pizza, okay? And so, uh, it's right there, clear as day. Um, We have to understand that just because we disagree with somebody on something does not mean we can't be in community with them. It does not mean that we're excluding someone because we disagree with them. It just means we disagree with them. Sometimes, It's simpler than that, and you're just that personality that doesn't want to go to the party because you're like, I don't know who's going to be there, and I don't know what they're going to be doing, and then I'm going to have to be, like, all social and, like, talk and meet people, and I don't know what they're about, so I don't want to go to the party. I don't want to go to church. I don't know those people. I don't know what they're about, and so I exclude myself from what God is doing. I exclude myself from jumping into a group. I exclude myself from being a part of the teams and the volunteering and all those kind of things. I exclude myself from that stuff happening in the community that Jesus, I think, might want me to do because I just don't think I want to fit. I don't know that I fit in. I don't know anybody. So the exclusion comes simply out of some kind of social anxiety. And then sometimes it's like collective it's like this fear because we've been hurt by the actions and the priorities of a group of people. And we've seen the ways in which people act and they they, they threaten our existence. They threaten my way of life. They, they threaten the way that that feels like home to me, that feels safe to me, and If that's allowed to keep going the way that it's going, it's going to mess with how I think life is supposed to be, and so I want to exclude them, and I want to keep them to the side because if that keeps, if that train keeps barreling down those tracks, we're in trouble, and so I need to exclude them from what God is doing because we can't possibly go in that direction. And then sometimes it's just fear, I don't want my old buddies around because we used to do some crazy stuff together and I'm pretty sure if those old friends come around, I'm going to be sucked back into that stuff. I don't want my ex around because my ex reminds me of all these things and all these ways that I used to be and I'm nervous that the more and more I get reassociated with my old life, I'm nervous about the person I will be and become again. I'm afraid. And our humanity gets in the way of whether or not we're able to include other people into what God is doing. Now, thankfully, there's Jesus. Thankfully, there's a way, but here's what's hard. Sometimes, even with Jesus, it's uncomfortable. And I'll just straight up say right now, some of the things that Jesus says and Jesus does and Jesus asks us to do, it's it's very challenging. It is not natural. It is not the way we would default think. And if you hold on to that for a moment, that makes a lot of sense. If we knew the way, if our natural inclination was the way that life should be, then why aren't we the one everybody should follow? If we're following Jesus by default, he thinks differently about stuff than you do at times, maybe a lot of times. But we're following him for a reason. Jesus is going to challenge and up- root some things in our lives that are not natural for us because he's trying to show us a better and more life-giving pathway. And so let's take a look at this. We're going to kind of walk through some passages in a story of Jesus here in Matthew chapter 9 where he begins to interact with a group of people and begins to show us a little bit about what it's like to interact with folks that maybe some others would be more prone to exclude. And so in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus says, follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. A couple of things here. One, Matthew was a tax collector. Matthew is a tax collector, and that, like, a lot of us aren't huge fans of, like, the IRS, and some of us don't even fully know why. We just know that when someone says the IRS, we're supposed to go, you know, like, but, like, today's version of the IRS is, like, wonderful compared to what this is talking about. Because what this is talking about, Matthew and other tax collectors, here's what they were saying all the ways in which my family brought me up, all the things that were near and dear to our hearts, all the things that made us a community, all the things that made us a people, that made us a faith, I'm going to spit in their faces and I'm actually going to step in a position that will make me super wealthy by truly exploiting you. That's what a tax collector was. It wasn't just a profession. It wasn't just I worked for the IRS and nobody seems to like the IRS. It was literally saying, I am going to throw all of our relationships away for the purpose of my gain, and it will totally be your loss. That's a tax collector. That's not a good place to be in. And that's Matthew, and nobody likes those tax collectors, and Jesus just invited him to follow him. And then Matthew sets up a dinner party, and he invites a bunch of other tax collectors. And then he invites other disreputable sinners. I don't know about you. I would not like to be categorized in a group of people called the disreputable sinners. It sounds like some kind of like 70s rock band. Like, yeah, we're disreputable sinners. We open up on Saturday night. You know, it's just like, it, it sounds legit. You, you know, it does. But in real life, I don't want to be known as those people that are disreputable sinners. I, it doesn't give any clarity As to what they were doing or what they were all about, but obviously they were in a category where the best way to describe them was they're disreputable and they're sinners. And those are the people that were invited to dinner. And Jesus is going over. I feel like I need some of you to hear this. Honestly, I need to hear this. You are welcome at Jesus' table. These, these people that are at Jesus' table are the worst of the worst as far as society is concerned. They are the people that are, have betrayed everything that they know and value as a group of people. They are the ones that are at the bottom of the barrel and they are the ones that Jesus is at dinner with. You are invited to the table. If you are personally feeling excluded from what God is doing, wondering whether or not you could be a part of his church, if you feel excluded, Jesus himself invites you by name personally to his table. He wants to dine with you. He wants to talk with you. He wants to get to know you. He wants you to be where he is. But here's where one of the pieces of exclusion can come from. Because invitations can be declined. Invitations can be declined. So there's a chance that you're feeling a little bit excluded. And one of the ways that can creep in is if we refuse to say yes to Jesus's invitation. I would love you to come and get to know me. And we're like, ah, Jesus, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm a spiritual person and all, and I think that that's really important. And I, I mean, I, th- I believe in God and everything, but I'm not sure I want to give up part of my life. I have other plans that night. Jesus says, come and have dinner with me. Ah, I'm supposed to have dinner across town I I just, I can't give that up. I got to be over there. Some of us, we feel excluded, not because Jesus hasn't invited us, but because we're not saying yes to the invitation that Jesus had offered us. Jesus wants you there. And if you long for him, come to him and be with him. Now, here's where the story gets another layer of interesting But when the Pharisees, when the leaders saw this, they asked Jesus' disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Not, I don't know that Jesus should be seen with these people. It could be a little bit of a bad rap. Just straight up, why would he eat with this scum? You can see how they thought about these tax collectors, how they thought about these disreputable sinners. And Jesus has an answer to this, and I love it. It's so formative. Jesus says, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices, for I have come to call not those that think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Jesus knows exactly what he's doing. Jesus knows exactly who he's hanging out with. And he's welcoming it. He's excited about it. Jesus is like, actually, you're totally missing it. I'm going to hang out with them. You don't even understand what I'm doing, but this is what I'm here to do. Because if you think you've got it all together, apparently we're not even ready to have a conversation. It's those who know their life is starting to fall apart. It's those who know there's a hole inside of them. It's those that know their life is a mess. It's those that understand they're steeped in addiction. It's those that know that, man, life is not going the way that it should go. Where do I go from here? Jesus says, I would love to have dinner with you. Okay, Jesus is here to call the sick. And then he says, I don't want your sacrifices. I don't want your your gestures of, oh, God, you're so amazing. Oh, God, you're so wonderful. Oh, God, here's my stuff. He says, I want you to show mercy. I want you to give what people don't deserve to the people that don't deserve it. I want you to show them mercy. I want you to extend my forgiveness. I want you to show my invitation to them. Show them mercy. Don't just give me sacrifices we're not good we're people that need to realize that we are sinners we are the people that need the help now how on earth do we do that because if we're willing to categorize someone as scum they're probably not at the top of our invitation list that boss that treats you like trash, that group of people that you're pretty sure is ruining your way of life, that group of people that's got you under their thumb, that person that treated you so wrongly, that person, how can we possibly get excited about the fact that Jesus wants them at the, do- at the table? What's that all about? One of my favorite, um, one of my absolute favorite things to watch online, other than children falling over, it's just funny videos, man, I'm just saying, uh, is, is, is sculptors. It's like the time-lapsed sculptors. I love it when they like have a stone and then they just do their thing and then like all of a sudden there's this like beautiful sculpture like 90 seconds later. Or like they'll take like the random piece of driftwood And then, like, you're just like, it's just a bent, weird, curvy piece of wood. And then, like, 90 seconds later, it's like, you made Iron Man out of that? Like, how did you do that? Because these sculptors look at something that all of us would just toss to the side, throw back in the ocean, put in the rock pile, line our driveway with so that tires can run over it. We would just put this stuff to the side, and this sculptor sees something. He's like, no, 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 no. That's actually super valuable. Watch what happens when I get my hands on it. And just because we might think that something isn't that valuable, when you put it in the right hands, they know how to work with it and they can bring life out of what otherwise seems dead. They can take things that make no sense, that seem to have no value, and actually instill something in it that it always could be. Jesus wants us to come to the table, no matter our ragged edges, no matter how scuffed up we are, no matter how unbeautiful we think we are, no matter how messed up we think we are, no matter how much we think we could just be tossed to the side, or maybe we have been tossed to the side by people, Jesus says, that's exactly what I want in my table. I can work with that. Let me make something beautiful out of that. When we come to Jesus's table, it's with the acknowledgement that we need help. I am just a lump of clay i am just a messed up piece of driftwood i am just something that needs to be sculpted into something wonderful and jesus says awesome come to the table let me begin to work with you jesus wants us there jesus wants us to be there but the temptation is then we look at the outside Because we start to get sculpted. And about halfway through that video, you're like, oh, I totally see what the sculpture's going to be. That's awesome. You're going to make Iron Man out of that piece of wood. I totally see it. I, I see it. And then we turn around to the other pile of wood that he just hasn't gotten to yet. And we're like, oh, look at this trash. Look at this trash over here. This pile of no good wood. Who would ever want this wood? We already forget what the sculptor is doing with this one. And so Jesus says this in his teaching, if you flip back a page or two in your Bible to Matthew chapter 7, he says, don't judge others and you won't be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye, and then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. This is the second thing that I hope we absorb this weekend. I hope we can absorb that Jesus reminds us of who we are. Jesus reminds us of the the unkept piece of wood that shows up at his table. Jesus reminds us that we're that ill-formed stone. Jesus reminds us where we came from. Why on earth would we look at someone else and say, you're a piece of trash, piece of wood, a piece of trash, piece of stone. There's no value to you. Why would you ever think you could come to the table of Jesus when it's the literal opposite of what Jesus is saying? That that's what I can work with. Stop judging them, stop putting their value down. They're actually the ones I'm inviting. They're the ones that I want to be here. Let's let's think about it this way for a second because this whole spec and log thing is a big, big deal. It's a really big deal. We can so quickly forget what we're struggling with. I've talked with so many here at the church and so many in our community. And they will utter some words of like, I have always struggled with blank. Some sin, some issue, some struggle, some lack of discipline, some attitude that just can't seem to shake it, They just can't seem to make it right, they just can't seem to get it together in that area of their life. It's the incessant, unspoken prayer request. It's always the thing that shows up. And yet, we'll be so fast to turn and look at someone else and say, how can you not get this together? Why are we so concerned with other people's hatred when we can't stand certain groups of people ourselves? I can't believe you would be so hateful, you blankety-blank-blank. Why are we so concerned with other people's hatred when we can't stand people ourselves? Why why are we so concerned with the sexual exploits of other people when we can't even get our sexuality together? I can't believe you keep running around with, the. I can't believe that you would run, I can't believe, and yet, you keep chasing after and you keep clicking on and we keep I was just reading a book the other day that talked about how this this group of counselors they did studies with tens upon tens of thousands of people and they have yet to meet the person that is not somehow sexually broken they have not yet met the person and yet will Get your sexuality right. What's your problem? But I treat my spouse like, and I still, but as long as you get it together, that's the problem. Why are we so concerned with others' lack of substance abuse when we can't stop running to our addictions either? can't believe they're still drinking I can't believe they're still doing I can't believe they're still smoking I can't believe that they would still want to do that don't they understand don't they see how that's destroying their lives and yet we keep running to all of this stuff that we're addicted to as well why why is that why is that not acceptable but I'm allowed to just fill and stuff my face with whatever I why why would I judge that but not this I'm completely, I can't put my phone down longer than 15 minutes, but you have an addiction problem. I'm just saying. You're addicted to a phone. No, I'm not. Leave it here tonight. Pick it up on Monday. Um, well, I mean, uh, let's not get crazy. Okay, I'll get your illustration. Mine. <laughs> there, there was this other study I was just reading up on where this group of people, they could, they can't sleep. They can't sleep. They get like four hours a night. They can't fall. It takes them hours to fall asleep. And, and, and the one doctor with this group of people is like, well, just, just turn your phone off a half hour before you want to fall asleep. Wow. <laughs> to the person, I can't do that. Okay, 15 minutes. No, no, I can't. I can't do that. Okay, can you, can you, not, can you just put it down right before you get in the bed and not look at it again? No, no. But these other people and their addictions that's the problem how could they ever be addicted to something can you it's so much easier to look at other people's specs than we probably even realize it's so much easier to look at the faults of others and you know one of the reasons why it's that way because if i'm dealing with your faults i don't have to do the hard work of dealing with mine it's so much easier to look at you and say you should get your life together, and the fact that you can't get your life together gives me a little bit of justification than I can't either. But I'm going to hate you for it. I'm going to keep you at arm's length for it. I can't believe you would think that Jesus would even want you here, because look at all these issues you have. We have the same issues. We have the same issues. And Jesus is trying to help us understand that we better not judge because we're in that same boat. We have the plank, the log in our own eye. And Jesus is trying to help us with this because some of you just felt like Jesus sucker punched you in the face. But what Jesus Jesus is not after guilty feelings. Jesus is evening the playing field so that his humility wins. Jesus is evening the playing field. He's reminding us that, oh, yeah, I'm an unshaped piece of wood, too. Oh yeah, when I came to the table, I had nothing to offer either. Oh yeah, I was so glad that Jesus apparently didn't notice my name was on the list, because I probably shouldn't be here either. I'm so That's right, Jesus. I have these issues. That's right, Jesus. I too am sick in need of a doctor. Oh yeah, Jesus, that's right. I desperately need you in my life. When we're reminded of where we've come from, when we're reminded of where we're at, when we're reminded of our struggles, it sets us up to open invite others to be a part of the table too. Because I remember that I actually probably have no business of being there either. Jesus will take care of all the exclusivity stuff. He will take care of the narrow path. But we have to be willing to follow him down the narrow path of helping people see the invitation too. Because here's the thing. We need Jesus. One of our favorite verses around here amongst our leadership, I feel like this comes up all the time, is Romans 5.8, that God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Jesus did not come and die on the cross and go, whew, there's at least a few of you that got it together. I died for y'all. He's like, no, you were all a mess. You're all sick in need of a doctor. Some of you are straight up throwing your fist up at me, and I'm still going to die for you, sacrifice myself on the cross for you, raise again to life for you, so that you know the power behind the invitation to my table. I died for you when you were a mess he died for me when I was a mess. He died for me when I was blowing my life up at college. He died for me when I was completely steeped in my addictions. He died for me when I couldn't keep my impulses under control. He died for me when I treated other people like garbage. He died for me when I avoided doing the good things I knew I was supposed to do and kept saying, no, I don't want any part to do with that. He died for me when I was running from God and that is not. An arbitrary list. I just described to you Joe Caruso. He died for me. When I was in the midst of all of that junk, when I didn't want anything to do with God, when I was running for him, when I wasn't sure I wanted anything to do with his invitation, when I was like, I think I can do it better on my own, when I didn't want to acknowledge my own junk, Jesus died on the cross for me because God loved me and wanted to know that I was invited to his table. When we remember who we are without Christ, it is so much easier to step in and actually love the person that God has called us to love. Love the person that we're called to love. I'm glad you asked. Let's take another piece of Jesus' teaching a couple pages back in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus says you've heard the law that says love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Well Joe, I mean goodness gracious no, this is love the scum in your life. The people that are be on your list of these are the. I'm pretty sure this is the scum of the earth. They are ruining our lives, they are ruining our society they are ruining our schools they're ruining my country, they're ruining my neighborhood they're ruining the scum of the earth Jesus just said love them pray for those who persecute you, you don't know what they've done to me you don't know how they've messed with me you don't know the oppression they've called you don't know whether they've mistreated me at work you don't know why they've bullied me at school you don't know where they've treated me and Jesus says oh those that are persecuting you I want you to pray for them I want you to pray for them. And he continues on. He says, in that way, you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even the corrupt tax collectors, even the people that our entire society said was the scum of the earth, the bottom of the barrel, even they love people that like them. If you're kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that, but you, you're to be perfect. You're, you're to see the whole picture, The same way that your father in heaven is perfect, the way that he sets up the whole picture, the way that he's trying to show the whole story, the way that he's trying to remind you that we're all a mess, that we're all someone's enemies, that we're all persecuting someone, that we're all in those boats. And the way that the people of Jesus interact is through his grace and his mercy. We do things upside down the same way that Jesus did because his table is open to anyone that asks and seeks and knocks. And so Jesus is saying, just because you have some scum in your life, just because you have some people in your life that are your enemy, that you don't like very much, that are persecuting you, I'm asking you, I'm telling you, if you want to see my power at work in your life, and certainly if you want to see it at work in their life, then, then you got to actually love them. And you got to pray for them. Because no one notices the normal thing. No, Jesus is talking about something so much bigger Jesus is talking about when we do the miraculous thing. When when we read stories of of murderers getting what they deserve, they, they have killed their family, they killed their wife, they killed their children, they go to jail, they go to prison, and then you get a report four or five years later that they have given their lives to Christ because of a prison ministry at that particular ministry, and there's quotations from that prisoner saying, my life has been turned upside down, I now understand the grace of God, I see things totally different, I am so sorry for what I've done, and even though I will be here for the rest of my life, I hope that my life can be a blessing to other people. What, what is your reaction? Are you anger, angry? Are you embittered? Are you distraught that this person that deserves everything that was coming his way now suddenly found some grace? Or are you excited that another person realized that they were sick and desperately needed a heavenly doctor and came to the table knowing that that they were sick in desperate need of what Jesus was offering. Are we rejoicing in heaven with the angels and the saints that have gone on before us, or are we completely disgusted that this scum has come to faith in Christ? Jesus says anyone who asks, anyone who seeks, Anyone who knocks on the door, it will be opened to them. Here's the third thing I really hope we land with. Jesus asks his followers to join him in the mission of invitation. If this is going to sound a little bit harsh, if we're not willing to join Jesus in his mission of invitation, then we're not actively following Jesus. Because Jesus is over here, inviting people to his table. And when we refuse to do that, then we're not doing what he's doing. Jesus is asking, is telling, is inviting us to be a part of his mission. There are people, I might even argue that all people are desperately longing for a place where they belong. They're desperately in search of a group of people that will see them where they're at and still bring them in they're desperately looking for people that when they peel back the layers and they show you their their thought process, their trauma, their issues, their struggles, their desires, they're desperate to find people that won't turn them away, but a place where they can be safe and process and learn and engage and be hugged and be welcomed. This is one of the things I love so much about our Celebrate Recovery community. They have found the table that Jesus has invited them to. They have, they have found the invitation of Jesus. They they know they belong. They know they have their Savior there with them. They have their people. And, there's a supernatural connection that's happening, being with people at that table where Jesus begins to transform them from the inside out, making them into this masterpiece of a sculpture of who they've always longed to be, and they find the strength that they cannot muster on their own, but they can only find when they draw themselves in near to Jesus, and they draw themselves in near to his people, and suddenly they're able to experience life in a more full and complete and perfect way than they ever could on their own, because they have found the table of Jesus. The miracles of life are not simply we hold the door open for one more person. The miracles of life are not that we let someone cut in front of us in traffic. The miracles of life are not these simple little good things that we do for each other. The miracles of life are when we create relational space for people that don't think they have a place at the table of Jesus, and we actually show them, no, actually your name's on the invitation. Would you come and be with me? Would you talk with me? Would you engage with me? Well, let me introduce you to some people that will bring you into the family of God so that you can sit and dine at the table of Jesus because Jesus said, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for keep on seeking and you will find it keep on knocking and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks receives everyone who seeks finds and to everyone who knocks the door will be open everyone are we going to be a part of that because no one who longs for the kingdom of god will miss it. No one. And so, if you feel excluded, it's not because of Jesus. Jesus is inviting you in. His invitation's open. If you feel excluded, it's because you might not be seeking him or because others have wrongfully miscommunicated the invitation of Jesus. But Jesus Himself said, Everyone who knocks, the door will be opened to you. And if we're, if we're excluding others, if we, if we are in that boat, if we are the ones pushing people to the side, saying, God doesn't want anything to do with you, we are completely forgetting. We are completely forgetting who we were when we came to the table ourselves. We are completely forgetting the miraculous, transformative work that Jesus has been doing in our life Jesus will handle the conversation. Jesus will work in the minds and the hearts of all of us. Jesus will sculpt us. Jesus will make us look more and more like him. But we are to bring as many people as we can to the table of God. I desperately pray that we would not get in the way, but that instead we would show the way. The band is going to settle in, and and I think some of us... I just desperately hope you heard that Jesus wants you there. He wants you here. I can say on behalf of the church that we would like you to be here. We want to connect with you. We want to see you... Grow. We want to see you be connected with our Savior. We want to see your life be upended in the most life-giving way by Jesus Christ. You are welcome here. And some of us, we need the kick in the pants a little bit. Because we are very tempted. I'm, I'm tempted. Let me just make this personal. I am tempted to assume that not everybody is supposed to be around all the time. And that's not what Jesus says. So as the band settles in, would you pray with me? Would Would you seek the Lord in this moment? Father God, you do invite us. You do offer to bring us to your table. You usher us up. You pay for the bill. You pull out the chair and you say, join me. And so God, if for whatever reason we still are struggling with the fact that we're just not sure we can open ourselves up and be around you I just pray that you would begin to dispel that more powerfully than you ever have before and God I I just pray that you would encourage us that are already following you to join you in your mission those that seem to be the farthest from you are the ones that you came here for don't beat them into submission, we invite them to have dinner with us. God, I pray that your heart becomes more and more our heart, and that the sculpture that you're making us looks more and more like you each and every day. Thank you, Jesus.